0: Last week, we studied the concept of hope, the fact that Jesus' birth, the Christmas story, is a provision of hope for all of us who either have no hope or limited hope or have room for improvement of areas of hope. And today, we're going to be looking at the concept of peace, which is another Christmas concept that uh, that should be rekindled this time of year. Uh, I'll set it up by telling you a quick story. Uh, uh, what day did I come pick you up at school? Friday. They all bleed together at this point. So Friday I went to Illinois Tech in Chicago to pick up Abigail, and she had some extra money on her account that was going to be lost, you know, and so that's buffet time. So we go, we go eat, and I had all kinds of food, and uh, but it was healthy food. I promise you it's healthy uh, but, uh, but anyway, so while we were checking out, uh, the lady that was checking us out, uh, I, I just said to her uh, something like this, what, is, what have you asked the Lord for for Christmas this year? And uh, it was the first time she looked up, really, but she looked up and she said, love, I'm praying for love. And I said, uh, well, I'm a pastor, and, and I would encourage you to pray for joy also. You deserve to have joy in your life. And she took it differently than the way I intended it, but she says, and I receive it. I need to receive it. I need joy in my life. Thank you for that. Thank you for speaking joy into my life. I'm like, I didn't say that, but I'll take it. You know, I'll take it. Because whatever it did, it made her feel good, and that in turn made me feel good, and I thought that was pretty good stuff. Uh, I did not intend for what I said to be received as a blessing, but she took it as a blessing. And, you know, listen to what Roger was saying, you know, the blessings that God has given them over the last 53 years plus, um, that's that's what Christmas is all about. It's about those blessings, but it's also... The reason God gives us those blessings is for our enjoyment, but then when we, re, when we respond by giving those blessings to others, then he gets the blessing. And, and so it's, a, it's an interesting a reciprocity of some sort that, that he pours his grace, his love, his mercy, and his gifts into us and sends us out in the world to share those out of the excess to those who have none. It, it's a win-win situation, and that's, that's just amazing stuff. And peace is one of those blessings that we're going to be talking about today. Peace is, peace is like a, I don't know the right English. Uh, it, it's a, it's a verb in some points. You can. You can give peace and peace will become fluid or transient in people. It will, it'll move and it'll change shapes and it'll do things in people. So in some ways, it's like a verb, an adverb, that kind of thing. In other words, sometimes it's a noun. It's like, it's, it's a, it's an item. I, I refer to it as a commodity. If peace was a commodity that came in a box that was wrapped up with a bow on it in a nice pretty package, and you could hand it to somebody, that commodity uh, would be extremely valuable, which is kind of how that that gift was given to us in the form of a manger in the town of bethlehem this This package of peace was given in this very humble circumstance, in this very humble location, for us. And we open it up, and we look at it, and we consume it, and we devour it, and we contemplate it, and then we invite it to do this restorative work inside of us. That's, that's what God did for us in Christmas by giving us this gift of peace. Now, you may think, peace? Well, that's not much. No, it's everything. You know, peace is everything. For those who have no peace, I guarantee you wish you had it. And so I want to share some definitions for you to kind of help us to understand where I'm going with all of this. Uh, the Hebrew word for peace, which is Old Testament Hebrew, uses the word shalom. We've heard shalom before. They talk about it on TV. You see it in the news. When we go to Israel, I guarantee you, people will say to our group, pray for peace of Israel. Or when we're leaving their stores or we're getting, leaving the restaurants, they will say shalom to you, uh, which is a blessing of peace upon us. They're very good over there about blessing each other because they know there's power in the words. They're not just idle words. It's not like, you know, when you say, Darren, how are you today? And I say, oh, fat and ugly. Those are just words, right? Well, at least to you, they're words. To me, it's humility, or it's brokenness and depression. But But anyway, that's beside the point. So they're not idle words when a person in Israel says pray for peace or I give you peace then receive it as a blessing. That's how it was intended and that's how God gave it to them. They know that peace is a commodity that must be appreciated and valued and, and shared with everyone who will. But the word for shalom is, is, is derived from a root word denoting wholeness or completeness. So when you say shalom to somebody or you you offer them peace, you're saying, I pray for the wholeness of God in your life. I pray that what is is unraveled, what's broken, what's empty, what's, what's, what's whatever, I pray that God will fix it and bring it to completion. That is what shalom is in the Old Testament context. Throughout the Bible, which is a little bit different from the shalom in the Hebrew language, In the Bible, the word shalom is commonly used to refer to a state of affairs, one of one's well-being, tranquility, prosperity, and security, circumstances which are unblemished by any sort of defect. That is what shalom is. It's a blessing. It's a manifestation of divine grace upon somebody else's life. One of the things I've been convicted of lately, and I've, I've, I've read this, I've heard it, but it's now starting to, to grow in me. God, God doesn't really desire for us to come to him and say, God, this is what I need. I want health. I want to be healed. I want to be blessed financially. I want this or this or this. God, God's not impressed with that. He'll listen to it. In some cases, he may answer that prayer, but that's not what he wants. What he wants is for us to offer it for other people. If we offer it to other people, I guarantee you eventually it's going to come around. But God wants us to offer it to others. We want to have the attitude that we are so blessed already that we want God to bless others. We want his divine grace to be manifest in other people's lives. And right now, I desire that his his grace be manifest in your lives. In your lives, I pray that you will see evidence that his grace is upon you and his peace is upon you. And by that, what that means is implicitly is that those little areas of turmoil in your lives, I pray that he puts out those flames in the areas where you're fighting with your, with your, your spouse or with other people that you work with or church members, maybe the pastor, but I pray that grace will fall upon you and peace will be entered into those areas of turmoil and brokenness. In the Greek language, this would pertain primarily to the New Testament or to the uh, the Septuagint, um, which we'll get into that later maybe. A different sermon. But in the Greek, it comes from the Greek word arene, which has several different meanings. It can mean a state of national tranquility. So widespread tranquility. Um, an an exemption from the rage and havoc of war. So peace from all wars, whether it's a literal war that's going on in Iraq or Afghanistan, whatever, that kind of peace. But it could also be the wars that are raging on within your family or within the church family or within the community as a whole. It can mean peace between individuals, which examples would be harmony and concord. It also means security, safety, prosperity, because peace and harmony make and keep things safe and prosperous. It also can pertain to the Messiah's peace. It can mean for those of us who are Christian, it can mean that this is the the peace that comes from our salvation, knowing that when we perish from this green earth, that we will be in a better place with our heavenly father and the one who died for our sins. It also can mean the tranquil state of a soul that has been assured of its salvation through Christ. And so we fear nothing from God and content with its earthly lot. And last, it's a blessed state of devout and upright men after death. So peace is a huge thing. But the thing is, and this is what uh, continues to speak to me, is, is that there's so few of us that really have Genuine peace in our lives. So, how is that possible? How is it possible that we could be Christian people and we come to church whenever we can and yet we don't have peace in our own hearts? We're in our own families. Years ago, I think it was 1990, 1991, long time ago, right? Uh, I had bought a bumper sticker for my uh, Plymouth Arrow pickup truck, which was orange. Um, my orange Plymouth Arrow. I put the bumper sticker on it, and on the top of it, it said, No Jesus, No Peace. And the no was K-N-O-W. So if you know Jesus, you know peace. And underneath it, it had No Jesus, No Peace with the word N-O. And the implication was is that if you don't have Jesus you don't have peace. Without Jesus, you can't have peace. And so the the missing ingredient, if there's turmoil in your life and, and disarray that you need Jesus into your life to be poured into your life in order to bring you a blanket of peace to calm all of those issues going on in your life. Now, this is, again, tricky, because we'd say, well, I'm a Christian believer. I read the Bible, I pray, and yet I still don't have peace. Then maybe you're resisting what God is trying to do in you, for you, or through you. Oh, and yes, it's very possible. I've been doing it for years. It is very possible that you can say, I love Jesus, but on this one area of my life, he is not going to be the Lord. All right? All right. Uh, If Jesus tells me that I can't watch the NFL, you know, I'm out, right? Uh, Or if Jesus tells me I can't go out on my boat, then I'm done, right? There's one area, maybe at least one area in your life that you're like, you know, I love the Lord, but I just can't give up the lordship of this one thing. That would be the source of your turmoil, very, very possibly. So in Isaiah 9, this is our scripture for today. In Isaiah chapter 9, I didn't even read the scripture while I go, did I? Did I at least dismiss the kids for children's church? I tell you, sometimes I just lose my mind. (laughs) But I'm in good company, though. (laughs) So in Isaiah 9, I don't know why I don't have my Bible turned to this. Uh, This is a passage you you hear a lot around Christmas time, and it says... uh, What does it say? It says, uh, we'll start with verse 2 actually. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light on those living in the land of the shadow of death. A light a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as men rejoice. When dividing the plunder, for as in the day of Median's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them and bar across their shoulders the rod of their oppressor. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. For to us, a child is born, and to us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end and he will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom. So this little little pretty phrase here, uh, the prince of peace, what that basically is telling us or communicating to us is that there's two options in the world. You could either be a peaceful person or a person of chaos. With peace comes order, structure. With chaos comes whatever you want, you know, just... Throw the mud at the wall and then interpret it how you want to go from there. But with God, there's peace. There's order. Jesus came into the world to be the orchestrator of that peace. Uh, That was his priority. That was his mission statement. He is about coming into this world of disorder and, and causing some peace to fall upon the broken people. So, Jesus is all about that. He is the Prince of Peace. He comes to initiate peace in our lives. The second thing, which is interesting, is it says that of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. So, like I said, this is, this concept of peace is a breathing, living organism or, or, or mood or statement that has a way of consuming people. And, And if we would make it our, priority just to initiate this to one degree and say we're going to offer a blessing of peace to one person, it could become contagious and it could spread like wildfire. So what you do is you go into the checkout line at a, at a college uh, little restaurant and you speak a word of blessing onto a person and just see what happens. I'm telling you, it's contagious. You'll want to do it again because you see that what speaking the word of God into people will do. So it increases, or the, impl- the, uh, the implication is it can also decrease. That's up to you. So here's the ser- scenario. Jesus has come into the world as this present, this package of peace, this Prince of Peace gift, and he has given it to you, and it has now been planted inside of you. And so what you do with it will, will, will determine how it ends up from there. You have the ability to put it in the closet and put it away and forget it. And in that case, your peace will decrease. Or you have the ability to share it with as many people as as you can. uh, To people that you will actually consider a blessing and you will thank God for it. And you will continue to thank God for it and make sure it's always upon your lips. Then it just might increase in you. That was his intent. He wants his word, his peace to increase within us and through us. In Psalm 85, 8, it says, I will listen to what God the Lord will say. He promises peace to his people, his saints. And in Psalm twenty nine eleven, it says, the Lord gives strength to his people. The Lord blesses his people with peace. I don't know if you knew this, but in John chapter 20, uh, Jesus raised from the dead. The, the disciples are meeting in the upper room. Judas has already taken care of himself. But, uh, but the rest of the disciples are in the upper room. Jesus walks through the door. And the first thing he says is, peace be with you. He blesses them. First thing through the door, blesses them. What would it be like in your family if the first thing you did when you came through the door was to bless your family? Bless your kids. Bless your spouse. And I know what you're thinking. Well, it's easy for me because I am a blessing. So when I come through the door, not literally, but when I open the door and walk through, everybody looks at me and they say, here's our blessing, right? No, no, that's not the case. Usually I'm not a blessing. I'm usually a pain in the neck. Um, But what difference would it make if we bless people like that? You see, Jesus, one of the primary functions of him is to come into this world to be an opposing force to chaos. And, and turmoil, and so if there 's turmoil in your life or chaos in your life, and you hate your life, then his purpose is to bring peace to that, to calm the storms, to calm the flames, and to give you a little blessing to to make sense of things to to give you some rest okay that 's what he has in job chapter three twenty six i, never, I never came I never paid attention to this verse until now little little verse. Job 3.26, Job says, I have no peace, no quietness, I have no rest, but only turmoil. This is after losing his children, losing his wealth, losing everything he had to the affliction of the the devil. I have no peace, which is connected to quietness and rest. I don't know how many of you don't have any rest in your life, how many of you can't sleep if you can't sleep, you're probably a parent of a teenager, right? Or used to be, right? Or or perhaps if you can't sleep at night, it's because you have a job that you can't stand or that you have a spouse who um, snores. snores. There you go. Good answer. Good answer. No. Uh, <laughs> that's a good reason not to sleep, right? Um, but the point is, there's probably a lot of people here who have constant turmoil in your life and just know that Jesus came to put an end to the turmoil. That's hard. You know, I get frustrated all the time, and I, get, I let things get to me. I let things bother me. Sometimes I lose my cool. There's an anger that comes up in me sometimes when things don't go the way I think they should go. There's a turmoil there, but I have Jesus. So why is it that I have Jesus, and I have turmoil, and they, they're coexisting? And Jesus says, because you didn't apply me correctly. You have the turmoil here. Well, take the Jesus and put it on top of the turmoil. In other words, pray over it. Saturate it with Jesus. Uh, meditate on it. Introduce Jesus into it. Here, here's an interesting thought. Let's say you're having a fight with your boss, and, and he's treating you like crud, and, and you're responding with crud, and you're angry, and you're like, I just ought to quit because this loser doesn't deserve me, right? What if, to put this into practice, what if you just started... Praying for your spouse, or praying for your boss. It may be your spouse. <laughs> but pray for your boss, and whenever you get a chance, say to things like this, well, Jesus doesn't want me to get angry, so I'm not going to get angry with you. Jesus tells me I need to respect those who are, who are put in positions above me. So I'm going to obey you. I'm going to do what you tell me, not because I want to, but because my Lord and Savior tells me I need to. So you have my allegiance. You have my obedience on this. Maybe it would go differently. Maybe it would go differently. Here's some other little tidbits. Did you know that the Lord grants peace? He grants you peace. He, he makes provision for you, there to be peace in your life. Leviticus six six and 1 Chronicles two nine. The Lord also gives peace. If you need it and you're like, I need a little extra. Lord, I need some peace. He will give you peace. He'll impart it to you through his son Jesus, but he'll give you more peace. That's number 626. In Isaiah 26:12, the Lord establishes peace. Wouldn't it be nice if He would establish a precedence of peace in your life, in your family, in your church, in your occupation? But then we're given a responsibility. Our responsibility once we've received this and once we've had our fires put out, now we have a responsibility to promote and to multiply the peace that is around us. In Hebrews 12, 14, it says this, Make every effort to live in peace with all men and to be holy. Notice that the little phrase there, if you were to put brackets around it, all men, which implies all women too. And you're supposed to do make every effort to live in peace with all of them. All of them. Have you made every effort to live in peace with them? Every effort. It doesn't say your boss is excluded, your spouse is excluded, children excluded. It says to do your best to live at peace with all of them. Romans 14 says a little differently. Make every effort to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification. And Colossians 3.15 says, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you are called to peace. That's just pure crazy talk. The last thing I want to share with you in regards to this comes in John 14. And then we'll skip to John 16. In John 14, Oh, let me get out of this. I don't need that. In John 14, there's a problem that has been developing among the disciples. They're starting to anticipate that Jesus is not going to be here forever. He's been telling them that from the beginning, but they're starting to, really, starting to sink in. We're getting close to the end of the road here. I'm afraid Jesus is going to depart from us. And so he says in chapter 14, verse 15, If you love me, you will obey what I command, and I will ask the Father. He will give you another counselor to be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. He, he, he understands that their hearts are in turmoil. In, in chapter 14, verse 1, Do not let your hearts be in turmoil. Trust in God. Trust also in me. But when you go on through this, he gets to this little, neat little passage where it says, The Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things, and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace... I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives, so do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. His peace is going to see you through. That was his prescription for the disciples who are in personal turmoil because they're about to lose their their spiritual leader, their spiritual mentor. And their hearts are in trouble. They're in turmoil. They're broken, they're, they're afraid, and he speaks peace into their lives, saying, guys, it's going to be even better once I leave this place, but you got to trust me. You have to trust the system. So when we get to John 16, the this, this storyline is developing a little bit. In chapter 16, verse 17, some of the disciples said to one another, what does he mean when he says, in a little while you will see me no more? And then after a little while, you will see me, because I'm going to the Father. They kept asking, what does he mean by a little while? We don't understand what he's talking about. So Jesus says, brothers, I've already told you. There's coming a day I'm going to leave, but I'm going to come back. Everything's going to be better. Everything's going to be great. Trust me. Easier said than done. When you get down to verse 33, it says this, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. So the bottom line is, is that God, it is not his desire that you have turmoil in your life. That was not his original plan. He sent Jesus into the world to be the prescription for your turmoil. So why haven't you applied the prescription? Why haven't you taken all of the medication? And this is what we do. You know, we'll take a little bit till we start feeling better and then we'll quit taking them, right? How many of you have pill bottles that still have like several pills because you didn't go all the way through the cycle that was prescribed? Have you ever done that? We all do that, particularly men. You know why? Because we, we're smart. We're stubborn. We are stubborn. We know better. I'm okay, I don't need to keep taking the pills, right? And then what happens three or four days later? It returns, right? Because we didn't follow through with the prescription. The prescription is this, Jesus is the Prince of Peace. Let Jesus into your life, into every facet of your life. Let him breathe his peace into that, and he will calm your life, he will calm your family, he'll calm your nerves. But you have to give him everything. Anything that you hold back, that's fine. You can do that. You have the permission to do that. All things are permissible, but not all things are beneficial is what the scriptures say. If you want to withhold parts of yourself from God and say, nope, you're not touching it, then you do that. But understand you will have turmoil in your life as a byproduct of that decision. You want to withdraw from God? He will withdraw from you. But if you will just lay it at his feet and say, Lord, I can't handle this, would you please take it from me? He'll be more than happy to help clean it up. But I'm telling you, this world in which we live is falling apart. It's messed up. It has no hope. It has very little peace. And he is trusting us to speak peace into it prophetically. But why don't we do that? I think it's because we don't know. We didn't know that if you speak peace into another human being, that peace will actually transform their lives. It will actually transfer into them. We've not been taught that, but that's what the Bible says. If you love somebody with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength, they will feel something, and they will respond affirmingly. Maybe it might take several months of it sinking in, but eventually they'll start loving you back. But this is the the solution, and it's a very simple solution. So so here's the thing. Because of this absence of peace, what happens a lot of times is there's turmoils in the church, too. Not turmoils, but turmoil, right? Okay. Sometimes we, we get in fights with church people. Sometimes you get aggravated with the youth group because, you know, something happened or they didn't show up for something or not enough people showed up or, or you get aggravated at your family members because you asked them to take out the trash and they didn't or to set their alarm for church and they didn't or whatever. Um, there's a lot of turmoil in the, in the world and in our lives. So my personal conviction is, is the way to offset that is to start a precedence. Precedent? Precedence? I can't talk. I believe God wants me to speak peace into each of you. And so I'm going to do a blessing over all of you, and you're going to receive it, just like the lady at the checkout at the school, right? And you're just going to say, that's for me. You don't have to do anything with your hands or anything with your eyes or whatever. Just just think to yourself, that's for me. Thank you. That's my blessing. All right, so in closing, let's do this, all right? Here's your blessing. Holy Father, I pray that with all the the power from heaven, that you will spread your peace upon this place of worship and into the hearts of everyone who is present here today. I pray that you will speak peace into their lives as a blessing. And I pray that you will bless every aspect of their lives. I pray that you will bless their marriages, that you'll bless their 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 jobs, their income, that you'll bless their children, that you'll bless their family, extended family, and their friendships. And I pray, Lord, that through this Christmas season, you will bless them like you've never blessed them so that when Christmas is over, they'll look back and say, wow, this little blessing today really actually did something in their lives. And I pray that as you impart your spirit into these people and you breathe this peace into them, I pray that they will be so contagious. I pray it will be received so well that they will go and speak it into the lives of other people. Lord, this world needs more peace. Not that Jesus hasn't been adequate, but that we haven't been sharing him with people. So I pray that you will impart your spirit into everyone here so that they may go and be empowered to impart your spirit into those people. Father, please pour your blessings into us in the form of peace. Squelch all of the arguments. Squelch the bitterness. Squelch the hatred. Squelch the attitudes. Squelch the sinfulness. And I pray, Father, that you will also squelch our arrogance. Our racism. Our feminism. Just everything, Lord. I pray that you'll rebuke it and that you'll bring grace to it and heal it. So that we may have peace, which is one of the best witnesses we'll ever have in this world. If the world could see peace in us, Lord, I know it would be contagious. Please, Lord, move in us and through us. We love you and we thank you for loving us before we even knew your name. In Jesus we pray. Amen. All right. We're going to stand and sing our closing.